Hallelujah. Luke chapter 19. If you're able to stand with us, we'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord. I'd invite you to stand with us. If you're able and willing, while we'll read the word of the Lord this morning. Luke chapter 19 and beginning in verse number 28. The word of God says, And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up into Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh unto to Bethpage and to Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in, in the which at your entering in ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never a man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, Lord, The Lord hath need of him. Amen. And they brought him to Jesus. And they cast their garments on the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works which they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while we read. The word of the Lord. Amen. If I'm going to see to read and see to deliver my notes this morning, I'm going to have to stop, try to stop crying a few moments. My eyes are puddling up with tears. And I can hardly see my, see my notes to be able, or the verses to be able to read or to be able to share this morning with you. I want to preach this morning if the Lord will help me for a few moments today. I'll try not to be long. I'll just preach till I'm through. Um, I want to try to preach this morning on the presence of the God-man, the pursuit of a good mule, and the portrait of grace. The presence of the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the pursuit of a good mule, and the portrait of grace. Now many years ago, this was one of the first accounts of the Gospels that I used as a text for a sermon the, the account is also rendered in the book of Matthew in chapter 21, Mark chapter 11, and a very brief manner in John chapter 12. We've read this morning from Luke 19. That means this is recorded in all four of the Gospels in some fashion. It's one of the few details of the life of Christ that's mentioned in all four Gospels. Every year, the Sunday prior to Easter, believers all over the world recognize Palm Sunday, which was the day that this little colt took our Lord Jesus through Jerusalem to the sounds of praise and the lauds of honor from this crowd. Later that same week, the cries would turn from Hosanna to crucify. But before the next week was finished, the work of the gospel would be completed, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to look at this account of these things that happened on this blessed Palm Sunday and share some truths for you from the Word of the Lord out of this concerning the presence of the God-man, the pursuit of a good mule, and the portrait of grace. First of all, the presence of a God-man. Just a scene, just the scene of uh, what's taking place here and to realize that Jesus according to verse number 28, is ascending up into Jerusalem, is exciting territory. This is the holy city where God chose to write His name. This is the last time Jesus would pass through the city of Jerusalem prior to His crucifixion. And the next time will be at His second coming. And I praise the Lord for that. This time in our text, He rode a donkey which is the animal of peace for kings. When a king would come through a city riding on a donkey, it was a symbol that he had arrived in peace in that city and that he was at peace with the residents, that he was at peace with the people. 
But when a king would ride through on a horse, that was a beast of battle. That was a that was an animal of war. That was an emblem that he had come to take vengeance and to take judgment on the land. And the next time the Lord comes riding through Jerusalem, it will be on a white horse. And He will be coming to set at naught all of those forces that have come against Him and against the people of God. He'll not be coming back with a meek and quiet spirit, but He'll be coming back as a conquering king with a banner on His side, reading King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This was their opportunity to receive Him. He was coming with an olive branch of peace. He was coming riding a beast of burden. He was coming extending unto them an opportunity to be saved by their faith and by their trust in Him. And on that day when Christ extended peace unto the people, they rejoiced. Oh, today of the Holy Ghost of God is extending unto you an olive branch of peace. If He's come unto you, my friend, in humility and with the cords of a man and bands of love and is drawing you near unto Himself that you may have peace with God, you'd do well to receive Him gladly. You'd do well to rejoice. You'd do well to praise Him. You'd do well to say, Yes, Lord, I want You in my life. Yes, I want to be saved. Yes, I need to know the Lord. And these people that day said, Hosanna to Him that comes in the name of the Lord. And they rejoiced and they worshiped Him. Glory to God in the highest. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they rejoice and they praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they have seen. What a glorious scene this is, the presence of the God-man. That Jesus would show up in the midst. I'm telling you, anytime Jesus shows up, it's something special. It's something special when Jesus shows up. When you're a tax collector sitting in a tree hoping to get a glimpse of Him, and He shows up at the foot of your tree, it's something special like it was for Zacchaeus. When you are a family and you've got a sick daughter, and when you're a daddy who's desperate because your daughter's in trouble, and Jesus shows up at your house and says, Tell us thy kuma, that is to say, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. It's something special, my friend. Oh, hallelujah. When you're a parent who has sought after the disciples of Jesus and said, I have a son who's oppressed of the devil. And he oft times takes my son and throws him into the water or in the fire. And he has a dumb spirit and I can't help him. And your disciples said they couldn't help him. But Jesus says, only believe. And he says, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. But Jesus shows up in the life of his son. It is something special when the Lord shows up. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When you're a 13-year-old boy in trouble with God and the Holy Spirit shows you you're on the brink of hell and you can hear the crackling of the furnace and smell the smoke of the fire and you know that you're headed that way. You can, my friend, sense the screams and moans of agony and know there is no help for God in your soul. But you call out on God and the Lord shows up. <laughs> Woo! I'm telling you, it is such a blessing when Jesus comes on the scene. When you know that people are seated in the pews to hear a word from the Lord and you know in yourself you have nothing and you're empty and you can't preach and you can't give them a word from God and you don't have what they need in yourself. But God, the Holy Ghost, comes by and you feel Jesus down in your soul. It's such a blessing when Jesus shows up in the midst. <laughs> Woo! I'm thankful that He's in the midst this morning. I praise His name for His presence. Oh, I bless His name. And I feel like calling recess and jumping about a foot and a half high and running a country mile this morning because Jesus is in my soul and the sweet Holy Ghost and I feel His 
presence and His power down in my heart. And I bless His sweet name for it. And to somebody say, oh preacher, you ought to calm down and cut all of that business out. I've spent the last 30 years making an attempt to become a little more, uh, a little more dignified and putting myself together as best I can. But if you had any idea how the Holy Ghost turns car wheels in my soul when Jesus comes through, I must praise Him with a loud voice. I must praise Him with uplifted hands. I must praise Him from the depths of my soul. And Jesus is riding through this place. <laughs> Woo! And He's riding through with peace. And He's riding through with love. And He's riding through with grace. And He's come to bring salvation. Oh, I've seen His mighty acts. I know what He does. I know who He is. I've seen how He operates. My soul doth magnify the Lord and rejoice in my God. I say, blessed be the Lord who made heaven and earth and for all that He's done for me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. I'm telling you, friend, we ought to praise Him and we ought to praise Him with a loud voice. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Makes me want to say hallelujah. Makes me want to say praise the Lord. Makes me want to say amen. Makes me want to say glory to God. Makes me want to say blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, Makes me want to do like that old boy down in prison. Got saved, didn't know anything at all about being born again or any spiritual words. All he knew how to say was, I believe he saved me, preacher, hot dog. Hot dog, I believe he saved my soul. Praise the Lord and the Lamb forevermore. Hot dog, I'm saved. Amen. Praise God, Jesus is coming through. And that ought to get our energy up. That ought to make us excited. That ought to make us rejoice. That ought to cause us to worship Him. That ought to put a smile on our faces. That ought to bring peace to our souls. And a song to our hearts and a skip at our steps. That Jesus is coming through this morning. If you don't know Him this morning, you need to know Him. He's the one that really matters. It's not the prince. It's not the preacher. It's not the church. It's not to that person that you think's important. It's Jesus that really matters. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know fills my every long and keeps me singing as I go. The presence of the God man was there. Jesus was in the midst. It was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. Oh, thank God we ought to noise him. How we ought to worship him. We ought to praise him. When Jesus is in the house, and Jesus in the house, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, if a dignitary of some kind were here, if the president came and uh, attended the church service, and I believe and I hope and I pray that if he were here, I'd preach just like I preached to you this morning because I believe he needs Jesus. No, he needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody ain't got him, but everybody needs him. Amen. And my friend, if he were here this morning, how we would likely recognize him and everybody here would kindly greet him and would... Uh, maybe give him a round of applause or whatever else. I certainly some reverence, respect. And I appreciate his efforts this week to try to reinforce the necessity and need and constitutionality of churches. And I do appreciate that. And I don't mean to say this and sound like a smart aleck, so please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But churches were essential before the president said so. And my friend, this has all always been what's essential. And this is what really matters in life. God and His people and the worship of the Lord. And whether they were crying Hosanna or crucified, Jesus was still Lord. And whether He was being well received or rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, He was still the Lord. Oh, listen, in that day, my friend, they worshipped Him and they praised Him. If the President were here this morning, we'd clap our hands and my friend and we would brag on the fact they came to the house of the Lord but I'm telling you greater than Solomon in his ear greater 
than the king is here. How greater than the president is here. How greater than you or me is here. He is here. Oh, he is here. You can touch him. You'll never be the same. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. He is here. Holy, holy. I'll bless his name again. He is here in our midst. And we ought to glorify the presence of the God man. When man couldn't get to God, God came to us. And He came to us like He were a man. And He went back from us to the Lord like He were God because He is. He's the God-man. Man's Christ because God's Christ became man's Jesus. And so that we can become God's sons. Oh, what a blessing it is to know the God-man, Jesus. He bridged the gap between me and the Lord. That God that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so great I could hardly afford oh but praise God and when I could not come to where he was he came to me he came to me when I could not come to where he was he came to me I bless his dear name that Christ ascended into Jerusalem he showed up in that place he extended peace and they rejoiced at what Jesus was doing Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've not even begun to dig into this point. But I sure am rejoicing in it. They try to teach you. I try to teach you in homiletics to uh, not get carried so far away in your own preaching that you forget what you're preaching about. And I'm almost there this morning. But I'm telling you, there are mornings and days when there's ankle deep water and waist deep water. But every now and again, I get out and swim. In the midst of the ocean. And the Lord begins to move in my soul. Praise God for the days when He kicks a bucket of honey over in my heart. And it oozes between my ribs. And I know Jesus is in the midst. And the power of God is among us. I say, Lord, you're welcome in this place. Hallelujah. You're welcome in this place. I want you. I need you in my life. Bless His sweet name. The presence of the God-man. This is their opportunity to receive Him. Jesus was in their presence. And they began to worship Him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they praised God with a loud voice. And they said in verse 38, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Oh, listen. When He comes through our midst, we need to recognize His name. Oh, Lord. Psalms 8 and 1. Oh, Lord, our Lord. How excellent is Thy name in all the earth. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful Jesus my Lord he is the mighty king the master of everything his name is wonderful Jesus my Lord I'm telling you he has a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee is going to bow every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord the glory of God the Father praise God and the Lamb forever his name is excellent in all of the earth his name exceeds all same. Verse number 31 says he's the Lord. He's not a Lord. He is the Lord. I'm glad He's my Lord. His name exceeds all fame. His name exceeds all claims. In verse number 35, they call Him Jesus. And that matters because He was given that name. As the angel spoke to Joseph and said, Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. When they called Him Jesus, that is to call Him Savior. That is to call Him Deliverer. That is to call Him the author and finisher of our faith. I'm glad I know who Jesus is this morning. Hallelujah. His name exceeds all fame. His name exceeds all claims. Nobody else can claim to be Savior. Nobody else can claim to forgive sins. Nobody can forgive sins on earth but God. At number three, His name exceeds all reigns. All reigns. Verse number 38, the Bible said, Blessed be the King. I'm glad He is King of kings and Lord of lords. His name exceeds all reigns. Isaiah saw the Lord before 
Calvary. In Isaiah 53 and verse 5, and said He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and with His stripes we are healed. And John saw Him as Lord, as Savior and King of kings. In Revelation 1 and 18, He said, I am He that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and hell. I'm so thankful that His name exceeds all reigns. He's King, my friend. He's King. The presence of the God-man, we recognize His name. The presence of the God-man, we recognize His nature. He is like no other. He was all God and all man. He was the begotten Son of God. Matthew 1 and 16 that tells us of the list in chapter 1 of Matthew begins in verse number 1 with this one begat that one and this one begat this one. Adam begat to Seth and Seth and so on and forth. One after another this one lived this many years and begat that one and begat this one and begat that one. And when he gets all the way to verse number 16 my friend it comes down to Joseph who married who, who was espoused unto Mary who was the mother of the Lord Jesus the Son of God. And you know what happened don't you? My friend the list of begats ended and the light of the begotten began. The list of the begats ended and the light of the begotten began. He was the begotten Son of God. John 3 and 16 only begotten Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That phrase only begotten Son is monogenes. That is meaning the one and only. The first and never to be repeated. The single one of His kind. The first and never to be repeated Son or seed of God. And never a man was born like He was born. It's not that there are no other sons of God. It's there are no other sons like Him. Amen. And the rest of us are then born in His likeness. He's the genuine article. He's the first fruits. He is the beginning and the ending. He's the first and the last. And He's everything in between. He's the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. You see, never a man was born like He was born. His nature is seen in that He's the only begotten. Never a man was born like He was born. His nature is seen that He's the blood sacrifice. Never a man died like He died. Amen. He didn't get sick. He didn't have an accident. He didn't get killed by another. He didn't even take His own life. He gave His body as a blood sacrifice. And He gave His soul as an offering for our sin. I'm telling you, never a man was born like He was born. And never a man died like He died. His nature is different. He He's the begotten Son. He's the bloody sacrifice. He's the beloved Savior. Never a man was buried and conquered the grave like this man. He ever liveth to make intercession for the transgressors. He said, because I live, ye live also. And because Jesus is alive, I'm alive. And because Jesus lives forever, I'm going to live forever. Going to live long as what Jesus lives. Never a man ever have my friend died like he died and never a man ever was buried and conquered the grave like this man hallelujah his nature his name the presence of the God man is seen in his need it's interesting this morning when I see that the Lord needs anything isn't that amazing all of my life I've been preaching this message of this account I suppose the first time I preached it I might have been 14 might have been before I was 14 years old Right at the early part of my ministry. And I preached that time out of Mark chapter 11. I preached out of Mark 11 of this account a lot. I don't know that I've ever preached out of Luke 19 of this account, but it's the same story. But it's amazing in Mark chapter 11, again also in Luke chapter number 19, the scripture says but how that they go to the man, they, they loose the animal, they have this colt tied and they loose him, they bring him to Jesus. And he said, if any man ask you, why do you loose him? In verse 31, thus shall you say unto them, because the Lord hath need of him. Now it had been one thing had the disciples told somebody the Lord hath need of him, but Jesus says to them, you tell them because the Lord hath need of him. And if he said this, 
means Jesus needed him. Jesus needed that, uh, that animal, that colt, that donkey. He needed him that day. And then the Bible said they did go. They did find, even as it was told them, they did loose the colt. They were asked by the owners, why? I loose you the colt. And they said, the Lord hath need of him. And now in just a moment, you're going to learn that that colt is a likeness unto you and to me. He is an image of the sinner who is brought unto the Lord to come to know Jesus. And here the Bible says that the Lord needed the colt. Do you realize, I know you have always preached that, I don't, that God doesn't need me. And in the sense that He doesn't need me to be God, that's true. He'll be God whether I'm ever saved or not, whether you're ever saved or not. He'll be God a million years from now if we ever trust in Him or not. But here He is as a Savior. This is a picture of grace. He don't have to have us, but as a Savior, if He's going to save somebody, He needs a sinner. He needs you to do the work that He came to do. Hey, it's this simple. You supply the sinner and He'll supply the Savior. Amen. You supply the sinner and He will supply the Savior. He needs to save sinners. That's what He came for. That's why He's here. It's to save sinners. He came to see and to save that which is lost. If He's going to do what He came to do, He needs sinners like you and me to work with. And we are candidates for what He wants to do this morning. His need. It's interesting when I see that Jesus needs something. He owns it all. He created everything. But there is something here that He needed. It was a special need in verse 31. The Bible said, Jesus says, because the Lord hath need of Him. It was a scriptural need in Zechariah 9 and 9. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy King cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass. In other words, it was a prophecy. If Jesus is going to fulfill prophecy and He needed to fulfill prophecy, he had to have this animal to ride through the city of Jerusalem upon. He needed him scripturally in order to fulfill prophecy. It was a special need, a scriptural need, and it was a seeking need. And just that mule would do. Just that one. Jesus did not send them out to find a animal. He didn't say, now y'all go find me something to ride through Jerusalem. He didn't say, y'all go somewhere. I send out to two of you this direction, two of you that direction. Two of you in this direction, two of you in that direction. Every one of you scrounds the city to see if you can find somewhere a good mule for me to ride. Instead, he said, you go to such and such place beside the gate and a place where two ways meet. That's what he said in Matthew or Mark chapter 11. He said, you'll find a mule there. You'll find an ass. You will find an animal, a colt, upon which no man has ever sat. The Lord said, I want the wild one. I want the one that has hadn't been tamed yet. I want the one that's not been told how to do things man's way. I want the one that's still a disaster. The one nobody else can ride. The one nobody else can do anything with. He's standing at the place where two ways meet. He's at a crossroads and he needs Jesus. He's tied up by a gate. That's a door. Amen. Oh, how about all of those this morning that they are beside the door. Jesus is the door. And yet they're tied up by sin. And they need somebody that's a disciple of Jesus with the message of God in their life to come to where they are and untie them and say, here's the door. You're in a place of decision. Will you go in and out and find pasture? Will you do what Jesus said? I'll tell you, my friend, hey, the little animal ought to have been seeking for Jesus, but he didn't have sense enough to know how. But when he didn't know how to look for Jesus, and he was all tied up by a gate, Jesus came looking for him. I'm telling you, you ought to be seeking after Jesus this morning. But when you didn't even know what you were looking for, and was seeing how you bound, I'm glad Jesus was looking for you. He came looking for that very individual little colt. And if Jesus is interested in one little animal, he is interested in you, and he's interested in me. Hallelujah. 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 Consider the lilies of the field. Consider the fowls of the air. Are you not much better than the flowers? Are you not much better than the fowls? 
Jesus told one of them in the crowd of the synagogue, he said, if you had a sheep that was in trouble, you'd help the sheep. I said, is this man with a withered hand, is he not better than a sheep? Uh, my friend, I'd ask the same question about this colt. If Jesus is interested in one specific colt, then he's surely interested in one specific person. He's interested in you. I wonder would the Lord have me. Honey, he's looking for you. He wants to receive you. He's seeking after you. He came for this to seek and to save that which is lost. The pursuit or the presence of the God-man. Secondly, the pursuit of a good mule. Pursuit of a good mule. This is what Jesus needed. And it's an illustration of how the Lord pursues the sinner. You see, works religion, works religion would be the mule seeking Jesus. But grace is Jesus seeking the mule. Put it this way. Works religion would be the hungry man seeking after bread. But grace is bread seeking the hungry. Works religion would be the thirsty man seeking after water. But grace is water seeking after the thirsty. Hallelujah. Works would be the fugitive seeking after refuge. But grace is refuge seeking for the fugitive. Amen. Works religion would be the criminal who is seeking a pardon. But grace is when the pardon seeks after the criminal. Anybody listening to me? How works religion would be for the guilty that seek for forgiveness. But grace is when forgiveness seeks after those who are guilty. I'm glad I know something about the grace of God. And I'm getting way ahead of myself. But I'm telling you, grace pursues us. I'm glad He found me and love and found me. Put His arms around me and led me to the shelter. Now I am one of His own. I'm so glad Jesus found me where I was in my lostness, in my sin. He pursued me. He sent somebody after me with a word from the Lord and told me Jesus wanted me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus needed that good mule and Jesus seeks after sinners that he needs in his works. He does this with very specific directions. In verse number 30, he told his disciples, Go ye into the village over against you. Notice he told them exactly which village to go to. He didn't say go go search the villages, turn them upside down, inside and out, find me a good mule. He said, no, there's a very specific village. There's a place. And by the way, he said, it's close by. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad that there are some, there is somebody close by that knows Jesus when you're lost? Aren't you thankful when you needed to know Jesus? Somebody close by knew Jesus. And the Lord was dealing with their heart to tell you about Jesus. And there is a village close by. And he said, if you'll go there, you're going to find somebody there, something there. Uh, go to the village over against you into which you're entering in you shall find a cold tide whereon yet a never man shall loose him and bring him thither uh, Jesus told them when to go where to go who to go and what to do uh, this is an illustration of that great commission go into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son the Holy Ghost uh, Amen friend uh, he tells us directions on what to do men need Jesus and we must tell them about him. Amen. So there's directions involved. Then there's a decision involved, verses 32 through 35. Then they that were sent went their way. They found even as he had said unto them. They had to decide to do what Jesus said. And then when they got there, the owners of the colt was there in verse 33, and they had to decide whether or not to cooperate with what Jesus said. Why are you losing him? They said, because the master hath need of him. The Lord hath need of him. And the owner could have said, you ain't taking my mule. I've got a 16-gauge shotgun. I'll blow a hole in you that big. You're not taking my mule. We had a man one day at the nursing home threatening to shoot Brother John for taking all of his quarters. Brother John never had seen him in his whole life. But he said, I, hey, he told me, he said, preacher, said that preacher right there, but John ain't a preacher. He said, that preacher right there stole all of my quarters. I got a 16-gauge shotgun. I'm going to blow a hole in him that big. That owner, 
that mule could have said, I got my 16-gauge shotgun. I'll blow a hole in you that big. You're not taking my mule. But instead, when they said the Lord has need of him, they followed the directions of Jesus. They made a decision. They agreed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, my friend, not only that, they took this animal. They cast their garments on him. They brought the colt to Jesus. Jesus sat there on and the minister of the congregation and then the cold himself who is a likeness or image or illustration of the sinner. Everybody made a decision to agree with and cooperate with Jesus. When we do our part, I do my part, you do your part. And the sinner does his part. God always does his part. We supply the sinner. He supplies the Savior. And the Lord will work in us and we'll simply just decide to do what Jesus said. Hallelujah. They located him by faith in verse 32. They loosed him and they set him at liberty by the truth of their message. Then not only do we find the directions and the decision, but we find a delivery in verse 35. They brought him to Jesus. They cast their garments upon the colt and they sat Jesus thereon. There was a conclusion to match the command. The obedience of the disciples led this cult to Jesus. And when they got him to Jesus, they were not disappointed with what Jesus could do with him. Are you listening? Well, preacher, you know, I'd bring my lost loved ones. I'd bring my family, my son, my daughter, my wife, my husband, my friends, my family. I'd bring them to Jesus. I'd bring them to the Lord. I'd tell them about Jesus. But you know, I'm afraid they're too far gone. They're in too bad a shape. They've done too much. They've gone too far. Oh, no. The uh, conclusion will match the command. If you'll bring them to Jesus, Jesus knows what to do. You'll not be disappointed in what Jesus does with them. Now, if they won't cooperate, that'll be on their own head. But I'm telling you, if that one will yield to Jesus. He said, All the Father giveth unto me shall come to me, and he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. You don't have to worry about your son or your daughter coming to Jesus, begging the Lord to save their souls, and the Lord shaking his head and saying, No, I can't help you. You're too far gone. It will not happen. You have God's word on it. He will do what he said he would do. The conclusion will match the command. He will be up to the challenge. There was a mission that pleased the Master. Jesus was pleased with what they had done in bringing the colt unto Him. He's pleased with our evangelistic efforts. Amen. This was a labor that matched the desire of the Lord. They brought this colt just as He was to Jesus. Amen. And that's how every person must come to Him just as I am. Amen. Without one plea. But that's how blood was shed for me. That song was written by an indignant woman who was proper and had good etiquette, refined, and had a well-meaning house party of, of uh, snooty individuals. I can't think of a better word to use for it. Social elite. Those of the upper crust of society. She fit right in. So she thought. There was a man that night who was there in the midst of all of them and told her that she was needed in need of the Lord. And that preacher of the gospel said, you're just as bad off as the dirtiest harlot on the streets of London tonight. She was indignant and angry at him, but in the midst of the night, the Lord began to stir in her heart the words of the man of God. Before it was all said and done and the Lord dealing with her heart, she found herself on her knees seeking after the Lord was born again. In days to come, she'd write that invitational hymn, <coughs> Just as I am, without one plea, but that my blood was shed for me. Oh, that's the way you'll have to come to Jesus this morning. Just like you are. I'm closing with this. The presence of the God-man, the pursuit of the good mule, find the portrait of glorious grace. The image of grace is abundant in the verses. Jesus knew where the colt was. He sent a preacher with a message. He received the colt as he was. He instantly changed him. And then he used him in his service. The colt lifted up Christ and saw the Lord Jesus glorified as he carried Jesus through the middle of town. And I'm so thankful that I know something about that kind of amazing grace. 
Notice the walk coming up the mountain. The Bible said in verse 28 that Jesus was ascending up into Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city set upon a hill. And the Bible said, as a matter of fact, it's a city set on seven hills. And the primary city there where the temple is there at the peak of all these things. He was ascending up into Jerusalem and the colt was loosed because of the Lord's need. He was led because of the mule's nature. And he was located because of the Lord's nurture. He could not be used for the Lord's glory until he was brought into the presence of the Lord. Oh, but when he was in the presence of God, God could use him. And he could use you and he could use me. The walk coming up the mountain. Then there's the work coming down the mountain. The colt was broken. The mule was now under the command of the Lord Jesus. I like him cowboy movies. I mean, if uh, if I'm gonna watch television, somebody better get shot. Preferably with a 45. Preferably with a revolver of some kind. Preferably by somebody with a cowboy hat on their head, a horse in the background, and a short horned, a short horned Hereford cow somewhere in the screen. I mean, I like him cowboy movies. Oh, Matt Dillon, bum, pum, pum, bum, pum, 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 Chest piece on his leg. That's right. You hear a bum, 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 bum. He pulls that gun out, points it at him, and gives the line of the show how gun will travel. I like it. I like it. Them old cowboys will get, catch him a wild colt of some kind. They'll round up some horses that's never been, you know, maybe they bought them from some herd of Indians somewhere or something. Wild ones, buddy. Whoever the tough guy is of the cowboys, he'll pick him out the meanest, wildest, roughest, most rambunctious, high-spirited animal of the bunch, and he'll say, that's the best horse out here. And somebody will say, that horse is a murderer. Nobody can tame him. But he'll pull back that gun, you know, like the horse is afraid of a gun. He'll pull back his coat around that gun, turn his hat sideways and say, I can break him. Crawl up on the back of that horse and you know good and well it's a stunt man. John Wayne ain't breaking that horse. But he'll jump up and down and he'll ride that bronco and he'll hold on both hands. And that horse will go in every direction and he's bucking and he's kicking and he's trying to get rid of the, the cowboy until the time comes finally when the horse gives up and he yields to the control of the master. And the meanest, the most high-spirited, and the one with the greatest vigor and vim, and the wildest cult of them all, when he comes under the control of the master, becomes the best one to ride, becomes the most productive livestock that he can buy, becomes the highest-priced animal at the sale. Are you listening to me? One of great value, because he has yielded his spirit unto the master. They brought this young wild colt one upon which a man has never sat. And Jesus crawled upon him. But thank God the colt didn't buck. And he didn't fight. And he didn't kick. He just followed the directions of the master. Oh, may God break us on both sides. May he make us in his image and use us for his glory. May we carry him where we go. You'll never be a fit subject for God's use until you are broken from having your own spirit and your own headstrong ideas and your own mindset. You'll have to yield to Jesus and let Him work in your life. Amen. 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 Lester Roloff used to tell about the story that uh, preacher that went to preach to them roughnecks in, in uh, Texas. That preacher went and preached to them and he preached a house down. He preached a fire at them. Folks getting saved all over the place. Rough characters, but they didn't have any money. When he left town, they built a little church there and he started to leave town. They felt bad. They said, we don't have any money much to give the preacher. He said, what are we going to do? We need to give him an offering. One of those boys said, uh, I know what I'll do. He said, I'm going to go catch a 
wildest, most high-spirited colt I can, tame him down, make him a valiant, I'll give him to the preacher. They all thought that was a good idea. Found him a horse. They broke the horse and brought him to that city preacher from Philadelphia. Wearing a derby hat. Don't even know how to wear the right kind of hat. Wearing a derby hat. And the preacher walked over there knowing very little about riding horses at all and tried to get on him from the right side. Well, then Calvin said, oh, wait now, preacher. You can't get on that horse from the right side. He'll throw you high as a ceiling. He said, well, you mean to throw me high as a ceiling? You, you give me a horse going to kill me or something? He said, he's only broke on one side. You have to get on him from the left side. Said, anybody knows anything about horses? No, you get on him from the left side. He said, I can't have a horse broke on one side. I got little kids at home, and I don't, and, and we're not well trained in how to deal horses. If you're going to give me a horse, you got to break him on both sides. I have to be able to use him how I choose to use him. I can't be a slave to the horse. He's got to do what I tell him to do. He said, "Take him back and break him on both sides so that I can use him." You know what the Lord wants to do to you this morning? He wants to break you on both sides. He wants to be able to use you from the right and from the left. Yeah. Out from the front, from the back. Yeah. He wants to use you as He chooses, yeah. not as you choose. Yeah. You don't determine how Jesus is going to use you. Yeah. He wants to break you on both sides. Yeah. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Broken. Mule was broken. He was a burden bearer and He set Jesus there on. He carried Jesus. Are you carrying Jesus everywhere you go? He was a blessing. He was a carrier of the God-man, a carrier of the gospel, and carrier of the good news. The lowly animal is now in the service of the Lord. I'm glad that I'm in His service this morning. And if God can use Him, He can use you and He can use me. And I'm quitting with this. The worship commenced after the mountain. I preached on this before I got started this morning. I didn't mean to get the cart before the horse. But that was the order to ride in this morning. They worshiped the Lord. It was glorious that this little cult of no prestige at all. It was glorious that he could just be present while Jesus was being glorified. Anybody listen to what I just said? It was wonderful that he could just be present while Jesus was being glorified. Brother Bob, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord it's glorious just to be present and to be a part of this event when Christ is worshipped the enthusiasm of the whole multitude begins to rejoice only two disciples brought the mule to Jesus but the whole multitude rejoices if you'll bring somebody to Jesus we'll all rejoice with you hallelujah hallelujah Notice the exultation. That is a feeling of triumphant jubilation or victory. In verse 38 and 30, 37, they praise God with a loud voice. And then we not only see the exultation, we see the exaltation. That is, they exalted or lifted up Christ. In verse 38, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They worshiped Him. The worship commencing after the mountain. I'm finished preaching. Please come on with a song. The presence of the God-man, the pursuit of a good mule, and the portrait of grace. John 12 and 32, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This morning we've worshipped the Lord and tried to lift up Christ today in your midst. If you've never been saved by the grace of God, and the Holy Ghost is speaking to your soul today. This is not by accident. I'm a two by four preacher. I realize that. I'm not here this morning to provoke your intellect. I don't know that I have the capacity to do that. I don't know your mind. But the Holy Ghost knows your heart. And if I will be sensitive to preach what the Holy Ghost puts in my heart then the Holy Spirit will touch your heart. And this morning, if God the Holy Ghost has sent forth His precious Word and through His Spirit made it alive in your heart and down the inside you feel even the faintest scent, sense of the calling of the Holy Spirit, 
You'd be a stark raving fool to turn him away. If the Lord is calling you, it's because he wants to set you free. He wants to employ you in his service. He wants to use you for his glory. Don't be afraid to receive him this morning. Rejoice that he's calling your name. Receive him by faith and you'll never be the same again. You've never been born again. This day's for you. This moment's for you. This altar is for you. People all over the building are praying for you. And Jesus wants to save you. Everybody stand. She's going to sing a verse of invitation this morning. You need to, you need to call on the name of Jesus. These altars are open for you to pray. These altars are open for you to pray. And I would invite you to come. Folks across the building are praying for you. I'd encourage you to pray. Sing for us when you're ready, sister. Hallelujah, hallelujah. A cripple starts walking. A blind man can see. A leper is Amen. Mm-hmm.